Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Well, as uh, Jackie said, I'm Nathan. I'm the campus minister and uh, really glad to see everyone here. And um, this is a strange passage. This is maybe not one that you've heard before. And if you've ever stumbled across it in your reading of Genesis, it's a little bit of a head scratcher. So um, don't be afraid. Uh, we're actually going to get into it and hopefully um, some questions will be answered, but also some questions asked, which is a great segue to our series, which is questions God asks us. Uh, let me pray as we get started and then we'll dive right in. Heavenly Father, uh, we just pray that you would uh, open our eyes, that you, we would be able to see you more clearly. Lord, encourage us and give us hope and faith in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to talk about uh, fear. Uh, and the reason I, I, I start with that is because it's actually, if you look at this passage, it's kind of one of the dominant thematic emotions. Uh, Jacob is in a fearful spot in his life. And not just any old fear, uh, not just fear of uh, the dark or the boogeyman, but fear for his own life. And this fear is, is one of the most basic and primal ones in our life, right? We, uh, we put guardrails around rooftop patios because we want to protect ourselves from falling off, right? It's why we wear seatbelts when we ride in a car or an airplane. Uh, during the pandemic, we take precautions. Why? For safety. Uh, it's good to protect ourselves and others. Um, and, and I think it's probably a good thing that we don't, you know, make it really popular for kids instead of like firemen and policemen and uh, everything that they say they want to be when they grow up. I'm really glad we don't like everyone just says I want to be a daredevil or I want to, you know, uh, yeah, learn how to ride a motorcycle and jump over 15 school buses. Um, it's a good thing. Uh, people who are like that, who want to do that, have no fear, we say. And maybe we even think, uh, we don't say it, but we think that maybe they're a little crazy uh, for wanting to do something like that. Um, but now there are good ways, I've kind of mentioned good ways that we reduce our fear or protect ourselves. Uh, but there are also bad ways, right? Um, one of the ways we deal with our fear um, maybe our fear of other people, um, is we drink a bottle of Jameson. <laughs> um, no, but okay. So, so Jameson Irish whiskey has this little Latin phrase, sine metu. It means without fear. And just perhaps maybe it's saying, if you drink this, you will have no fear. You know, there's a reason why it's called liquid courage, right? Maybe some of you have used alcohol to assuage your fears, um, assuage your fears before you go to a party, before you uh, hang out with other people. And we would say that this can go bad, right? Like binge drinking is not the healthiest way to deal with our fears. Um, but there's also a, another way that we often deal with, deal with our fears, which is retreating from them. If, if you know, we drink a, 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 you know, some alcohol, we can make it to the party, but another way we might deal with our fear of others or fear of anything is we just isolate ourselves. We stay home. We don't go out. Um, I think in, in the pandemic, we're all, we're all seeing the bad side of that, 
we're all seeing the downside of isolation, of being alone all the time. And there's a reason that the agoraphobia uh, for, for you uh, psychology majors and sociology majors, uh, the DSM-5, there's a reason agoraphobia is in the DSM-5, right? Um, our response to fear is an important way to gauge how we view our relationship with God. And Jacob is a man, just like you and I, he's a human. Uh, He has a relationship with God. And he's in a place in his life when you could say he has more fear than he has ever had in his entire life. He is facing the greatest fear of his life up to that point. It's at the pinnacle of his fear. And let me give you a little bit of backstory why he's really scared when we find him in this part of the story. Well, Jacob has a twin brother named Esau. And Jacob and Esau were twins. And as it says um, in Genesis 25, afterwards his brother came out uh, with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. The, The name Jacob in Hebrew means something like grasping the foot, grasping the heel. So so he was always like striving. He was always kind of at odds with his brother. Um, And eventually what that led to is when it came time for their father to give the blessing, which was the special blessing from God that God had started with with Abraham, and you can even go back further than that, but, but that God would make a people, uh, from Abraham, that would be, a, you know, they would be more numerous, that, that they would be more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore. They would be a great nation and they would be a blessing to all other nations. And whoever got the blessing, whether it was Jacob or Esau, it would be them that would be a patriarch of Israel, a patri- sorry, a patriarch of that people of blessing, of the people of God. And so when it came time for the blessing, Jacob tricks his dad into thinking he was Esau. See, the firstborn was supposed to get the blessing. But Jacob tricks his, his dad, and as the secondborn, he ends up getting the blessing. So what he's, he's done is he steals the blessing. He steals the birthright from his brother. And ever since, he's been fearing for his life. He's been trying to escape the wrath of his older brother Esau. So Esau's out to kill him. They're out wandering. They're out um, trying to just stay away from each other. And so this is Jacob's life up to this point. And where we find ourselves in this passage is when Jacob no longer has the option of not facing his brother. Uh, he, he's cornered. He is go, about to go and meet his brother Esau for the first time in many, many years. And a messenger has sent word that there are 400 men, in other words, 400 soldiers with Esau. So when Jacob finds word of that, he's like, oh man, like he is not just going to kill me out of vengeance, but he's going to take all of my family. He's going to take all of my servants. He's going to take my entire uh, people 
with me. He is going to seek to destroy. So he is afraid for his life, not just for his own, but for his family. And we meet him on the edge of a stream the night before he's about to meet his brother Esau. Now, his whole life, he had relied on his brain. He had relied on his, his cleverness, his, his trickery, his way to figure out a way around things, his way to escape. And this night, he can't escape. He can't do anything to get out from under this fear. So how is he going to respond? What is going to happen? Well, tonight we're going to look at um, two ways we respond to fear. Uh, two ways actually Jacob and us tend to respond to fear. And then we're going to look at the way that God desires us to respond to our fear. So those are kind of our two main points. So let's jump right in. Two ways we respond to fear. Uh, the first is we wonder, then we wander. Um, the wondering is sometimes it's it's definitely an emotional pursuit, but it's also an intellectual pursuit. It's, it's definitely this this problem of pain. Why would God allow this to happen in my life? We we wonder that. Maybe we we interact with others. We 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 dialogue uh, with ourselves. We we seek out reading material in order to try to answer this question. Why has God allowed this fear to creep into my life? This hardship, this suffering, um, whatever it is. We wonder, why? Why is this happening? What's going on? Um, but perhaps the last thing we think to do is to go to God and say, God, why? What's going on? Um, Jacob had spent most of his life referring to God, referring to Yahweh as the God of my father. Now, some of you, and, and myself included, uh, I, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. So for a long time, that's how I would describe God. You know, it's my parents' religion. Uh, maybe you found yourself in that place where uh, coming to college maybe forced that question, is this your faith or is it the faith of your parents? Um, for Jacob, a long time, it, it, God was the God of my father. And eventually he did turn to begin to say, my God, but there's a distance there. Jacob spent most of his life up to this point wandering, trying to figure out ways to escape his fear, to escape Esau. And there are ways we do this too. We, we, we wonder, like, like, man, I wonder why I'm scared of this. I wonder uh, why this hardship has come into my life. And then we wander and try to find some solution. We try to figure it out. Um, maybe it's working harder. Uh, we, we download a bunch of productivity apps. Uh, we, we read some ha life hacking articles and we just try to figure it out. Um, maybe we, we do go to substances. We, we, we abuse um, substances to chemically calm our fears. Right. Um, maybe we, we pay a roommate for their Adderall. Um, maybe it's constantly analyzing and obsessing over what we're afraid about. Um, this this tends to be uh, really smart people who kind of fall into this category. Um, we can be incredibly clever. Jacob was an incredibly clever person and we can be incredibly clever 
and escaping God when we face hardship and running away from God to anything else that might ease the suffering, ease the pain, or try to give us an answer. There's another category, uh, and I've, I've created these. <laughs> this is my own taxonomy, so, so take issue with it, if you will. That's okay. Um, another way we do this is we whine, then withdraw. Now, now this is, is or, you know, these type of people, or, or this tendency, you're not afraid to go to God in prayer. Maybe that's the first thing you do. And when you go to God, you, you don't pull any punches. You really go after him. You say, God, why did this happen? Like, I'm angry. Like, you're really complaining. Uh, you're, you're really grumbling. And you're, you're like, God, I, I just need you to take this away. And what's really most important to you in your prayer is that God just take it away. God, take away this fear. Take away this, this pain. Take away this, uh, this trial instead of just wanting to know God himself, wanting to grow deeper in your relationship with God. And, and the, the way this looks is often like the way it looks in our personal relationships. I mean, maybe you've had uh, friendships or maybe you've done this with your parents. When you get into a fight, they know exactly what you think and how you feel. You get into this big fight, you complain, you say, I don't like the way you do this. I don't want to be around you. And you leave and you ghost them and you don't respond to their text messages. You don't um, interact with them. Maybe never. You withdraw. Um, sometimes that's the way we handle things with God. We whine and complain. We, we would go to him in our, in our prayers and we say, at a certain point, I'm done with you, God. I'm breaking up. <laughs> I'm done. We're over. Uh, we stop praying. We give up in our prayer. We don't know for certain, but this might have been the place where Jacob was on the bank of the stream where he was maybe at the edge of despondency the edge of just withdrawing, he's, he's alone, he's giving up. He doesn't know what else to do. But then something incredible happens, something unexpected, and yes, something mysterious. Jacob wrestles with an angel. First it says a man, and then we find out that it's, it's God. Jacob wrestles with God. Now, I'm going to unpack a little bit of what that means, but what it teaches us in part is the way that God desires us to respond to fear. Let's examine this episode with Jacob wrestling God. So he's alone on the bank of the stream, and he wrestles the man until the break of day. So it could have been up to maybe 10 hours, maybe more, maybe less, but up to that number of hours wrestling a man. Now, I, I don't know how long wrestling matches usually last in competitive wrestling, but I know they don't last 10 hours. That's a, that's a really long time all night because it says when it's over, the sun comes up. And from what we, we see in the text, that Jacob was close to winning. It says J Jacob was close to overcoming and subduing this man uh, in this wrestling match. 
Um, but yet, paradoxically, this, this man, uh, this angel, had the power to dislocate Jacob's hip socket. Um, and then the angel says this, it's morning, let me go. Jacob says, I won't let you go until you bless me. Then the angel says, what is your name? He says, Jacob. And he says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but as Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob gives us an example of what it looks like to persist in prayer with God in the midst of prayer. Wrestling. God as our adversary, not our enemy, as one pastor put it. Uh, standing up and saying, are you going to be, are you for me? Are you against me, God? Are you going to still bless me? Are you going to deliver me even though it seems that you've given up on me? Are you still for me, even though it seems like you're against me? Uh, maybe this is something you've actually prayed before. God, it kind of seems like I'm your enemy. God, it kind of seems like, even though I know you say in your word that you love me, it seems like you hate me right now. Never giving up in prayer, just like Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me, could mean I'm not going to stop praying, God, until you answer me, until you bless me. It's, it's this pursuit of God that's intense, it's passionate. Uh, it's not praying to God with, with just the sense of entitlement, like I deserve something from you. It's not, it's not passive, it's very active. It involves the whole person. The whole soul poured out to God. I'm not going to stop until you bless me. It's taking God's word and using it in your prayer. It's saying, God, these are the blessings that you say you're going to give your people. You say you're never going to leave me or forsake me. But why does it feel like you have? Don't forget your promise. Please remember your promise. This kind of prayer resulted for, for Jacob in, in these two things, a new name and a limp. This new name was actually a blessing. It's Israel. His new name was Israel. The people of God. Yahweh's people. What are they called? Israel. All throughout the New Testament. What is the church? Israel. Um, from Jacob would come this nation. So it's a blessing, but it was also a limp. This constant reminder physically for Jacob of that moment when he wrestled with God. And as it says, when he wrestled with God and prevailed, he received the blessing. Now, this might seem so, so counterintuitive to us when we think about prayer. Um, maybe it's a way of thinking about prayer that you've, you've never thought about. Um, maybe it's a risky 
kind of prayer or a, a bit too intense uh, for some of us. But when we come to a place in our lives when that's all we have, when we're cornered, when we're forced to confront God and just say, God, what is going on? Why? Um, God meets us. God shows up. How badly do we want to know the answer to our questions? How badly do we want to know God? Are we willing to wrestle with God? Jesus prayed the night before he was crucified. He prayed all night. Uh, even his best friends fell asleep and left him alone. He prayed through the night. He was under so much stress that he sweated blood. And he was praying, take this away from me. He knew that he was going to go to the cross. And he said, take this cup away from me. And his prayer ended with, not my will, but your will be done. Now, Jacob when he was done wrestling the angel, when he walked away, it was daybreak. The sun was rising and he saw his brother coming towards him. Esau was not there to kill him, but to kiss him. They embraced, they wept. Jacob was forgiven. They were reunited. This was a happy ending to the story. But for Jesus, even though he prayed, take this away from me, the Son of God prayed, take this away from me, from me, Jesus died the next day and he was buried. But that's not the end of the story. It's only three days later he was delivered up from death. He was resurrected. So Jesus died to deliver us from our greatest fear, what should be our greatest fear. You see, when we fear the loss of our own lives, there's a greater fear underneath that. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus experienced hell so that our fears could be relieved. Jesus experienced hell so that we would never have to experience it. Jesus was forsaken so that we would never be forsaken. You see, when, when God wrestled with Jacob, he could have crushed him. He could have done far more damage than just dislocating his hip. In this mercy, he spared his life. Because Jesus gave up his life, our lives are spared. And the good news in this is, therefore, we have nothing to fear. Even if we lose our lives we know that we will one day, just like Jesus was resurrected, we will be resurrected. This is the hope 
of Christianity. It's not that our our lives here in the present day or our lives while we are on this earth will be free from suffering, but it's that when we suffer and even if we die, death will be overcome. So this is our hope as Christians, and this is the God to whom we pray to. I love this line. I feel like I've been mentioning it all the time in, in Amazing Grace. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. When we come to God, when we embrace him, maybe not as the embrace of a, of a loving son to a father, a loving daughter to a father, but uh, we embrace him in a, in a grasp like we're wrestling with him. When we come to him and say, God, I won't let you go until you bless me. What we get, we get him. We get to know God. We can say he is my God and I have been on, in the dirt with him. Uh, I have been on the mat with him wrestling and I've seen him face to face. Um, there was a time in my life when uh, I was just out of college and I was unemployed. It was right after the 2008 recession. And I had so much time on my hands, but I also had a ton of internal angst. And one of the greatest fears that I had in that time of my life was that my life wouldn't amount to anything, that I, I, I wouldn't fulfill my calling, that I wouldn't really just kind of have just this, you know, vocation, especially this job, which I didn't have at the time. Um, that wouldn't make any difference. And I, I spent time, and, and I'm not saying this is to like glorify myself, I'm saying it was terrible. It, it, was, it was painful time, but it was time of prayer. It was time of wrestling. And in that, God met me. And that's what stuck with me. It's not that now everything's perfect. It's not that now I have the greatest career ever. I do have a great job. Um, but it's that God met me. And if you've never had that experience of praying so hard and so long, I would encourage you to, to do that. Don't uh, wonder and just make it this an intellectual thing and then, um, and then go to something else. Uh, no, God is the right place to go. Uh, just be patient, be persistent. Don't come to him with this list of complaints uh, and then just withdraw when he doesn't give you the answer you're looking for. But go to him, grasp him and say, God, I want you. I want you. And this is what we have in, in God's word that um, God will say back, that God will, will tell us, that he's told anyone who's placed their faith in Jesus. He says in Isaiah 43, 3 through 5, he says, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel the Holy One of Jacob, of Abraham, of Isaac, but of Israel, of us, all of God's people, your Savior, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Fear not, for I am with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, just thank you that your word encourages. It gives courage where there is none. And we just ask that you would encourage each one of the students here tonight, Serena and I, that we would know that you are with us, 
no matter what, you will never leave us and forsake us because of Jesus. We thank you and pray in his name. Amen.